Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. A couple new things going, Derek. A couple of announcements to make, as it were. The we real have paddling. Announcements? We do. The Real Paddling Film Festival. Oh, yes. Remember that? We did that back in March. Back a lifetime ago. Yeah, it seems so long ago. Well, it's going to come around again. And we are registered to host the event again this year. Uh, when March, would that be? March 20th, 2018. And I'm terribly excited. January, February, March. Yeah, so that's like <clears throat> just over three months away. We found a new venue, and I am super excited. Yeah, we're going to release all the details in the beginning of the new year. Yep. You don't want to give it all away, but uh, last year was a really big success. We looked at hosting it, and they have various criteria on who can host it because they don't want a whole bunch of them crowded together. So we sort of fit in the middle uh, between a couple of showings, yeah. uh, a couple of venues. And we figured, okay, well, we'll host it. We'll hope for maybe 30, you know, whatever. That's cool. But we actually ended up having like 75 people. And we had to turn people away. Um, everybody was excited to come out to it. And we didn't realize it would be that popular. So this year we've gotten a venue that's going to take about 150 people. Uh, it's a big venue and everything about this place is big. Uh, so it's going to be a much bigger bigger event for us, that's for sure. And we've moved from Whitby to Ajax. So it's, it's only like yeah. 10 minutes from my house. So we're not encroaching on any other Bears territories. We're still... Uh we're in a mid-territorial zone. Yeah, we're not far from the 401. Yep. Again, I can stumble home. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's really close to your house. So, yeah, like I say, there's going to be more details come the new year. Um, Want to get past Christmas and everything first. So, uh, I mean, it is the 21st of December already. So we're not that far away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it gives us three months till, till we show up. And it's a Tuesday night again. And it's the Tuesday after St. Paddy's Day. Yes. So everybody's... All Should partied be. out. Our par- all partied out. Nice quiet night of, of paddling of fest, uh, paddling films, films and, and a couple of beverages with friends. Yes. So for those that were there last year, um, this one will even blow last year's away. That oh, was yeah. just a get our feet wet one. So this will be our second annual Real Paddling Film Festival hosted by Paddling Adventures Radio. The other thing we did last, sorry, this year, because it's still this year. Yeah. Uh, back in April, we helped... Um, we were a sponsor for the Kitchener Waterloo oh, yes, Canoe Symposium. Yes, yes. Well, they've changed the name now to starting 2018, the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium. They've changed it for that from Kitchener Waterloo Canoe Symposium to the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium. It will be held Saturday, April 7th, 2018. And we are going to be a sponsor again this year. The thing they've had the last six years they've done this they've held at the uh princess princess twin, the- twin princess, yeah, twin, princess theaters twin theaters in waterloo and they've sold out every year again and there's always people that say oh i wish i could have got tickets and yeah. so they've actually they're moving to a larger venue they're going to be holding it at the theater of the arts uh, at the university of waterloo the same place we just had the um ontario winter camping symposium yes and uh, it's looking to that'll hold a heck of a lot more people. Yeah, so it shows it shows that it's maturing. It's po- it's a popular event. It always always sells out. So it just uh, you know to go along with the name change. We've got a venue change. So it's uh, it's very exciting. It's uh, it's it's a re- so with the uh, outdoor winter camping symposium that we did. It was in that theater. And so mm-hmm. it's a it's a really nice venue. There's no bad sight lines. It's uh, it's a heavy rake theater. It's it's awesome. It's yeah. going to be really good. It's a, it has a really good view everywhere. It's a good setup. And there'll be uh, the the booths and all that set up at the top again. Yes. Uh, like the, the that one we had. Um, so we'll be there with our, our table and you can come and see us and chat with us live and in person. Um, maybe we'll even do some recording there this year. That's a good idea, you know. We I think do so. That. Set everything yep. up and we just sit there and blab. Do a man on the street type thing. Do a man on the street. <laughs> yeah, just like Kermit the Frog. Man yeah. on the street. Or Rick Mercer. Yeah, oh, him too. I like Kermit the Frog better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to find out more, go to OntarioBackCountryCanoe.ca and you'll find more information about it and uh, where to get tickets, that sort of thing. Tickets are, again, on Eventbrite. I think it's like $10 for youth, 15 for regular people and then they have deals for families of four yeah 
deals for family of a thousand, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, get your tickets. They do sell out. And uh, this year, I think, is going to be a bit different. And uh, I think it'll be really good again. Uh, you were, we were talking about social media. Yes. Derek, Derek and I have gotten on this kick about, is social media good or bad? And considering what we do, yapping. <laughs> <laughs> we're part of the problem. We're, we're part of the problem or we're not sure. Um, I mean, we, we do the podcast now. We do the, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, some YouTube stuff. Yep. You do Snapchat, I think it is, and mm-hmm. other weird stuff. Yeah. Um, but you, we, we were talking about, you know, and we've talked about it on the show before, like, is it getting too much? You know, especially with people showing all their stuff. And you came across an interesting article. Yes. Uh, so last weekend I came across an article. It was, and Sean's going to get mad because I'm crinkling paper in front of the mic. But That's uh, okay, I'm drinking beer. <laughs> So it's in the travel section of the Globe and Mail on Saturday, December 16th. Wait, you read the Globe and Mail? <laughs> I normally don't. How are your stocks doing? How are your bonds? <laughs> I don't. How's the insider trading going, Derek? It was free. It was free. You got an oil change? <laughs> no, it was uh, at, a, at a condo, at a hotel. Anyway. Resort. Anyways, so uh, so I'm reading through and I, I come across this thing and it just it's one of those things that we've talked about in the past. And it's, it's that thing where the social media phenomenon and a lot of it is attributed or blamed on Instagram, right? So it's, um, it, a lot of it comes back to that and, and how, you know, like, like here's, here's a quote here. Uh, and for all of social media's tendency to ruin places, it really is quite a sight. And he's talking about this place that I'm about to tell you about. So this article, he, this it's a guest column on in the Globe and Mail. So this Martin Bauman, he he write, he wrote an article about his trip to to see um, Troll Tunga. And Troll Tunga is a, it's a it's in Norway and it's Norwegian for troll tongue. So there's this location and it's quite the hike. It's a it's they say it's between ten and twelve hours. It's a very twenty-seven large, miles or kilometers. Twenty-seven kilometer kilometers? hike. Yeah. So it's a twenty-seven kilometer hike, and they say it's a very arduous hike. It's very difficult to get there, and, and there's usually you know a lot of rescues for people realizing that they're not up to this long hike. Mm-hmm. It's not the location; it's the hike itself, right? Anyway, so this whole article, he wrote the whole article, and and he talked about this troll tongue in Norway. And it's it, if you look at the pictures, if you look for troll tunga on Wikipedia or Instagram, you can find pictures of it on Instagram. And, and I gotta say, the minute you showed me that picture, without even knowing what the article was, yes, yes, I looked at that picture and I said, that's the picture or the place everybody does those photos from. Yeah, they hang the, off the they edge. They hang and, off the edge. The, exactly. The, yeah, photos. Yeah. So, anyways, it just. And the the uh, the writer himself agrees that he's propagating this social media phenomenon that uh, can tend to ruin places, right? As the from the quote that I already read to you. So, anyways, this here it's uh, it's in a remote part of Norway, and you know the the, uh, the people will do some people will hike there and back in one day. Other people, most of the people, will hike there, stay overnight, and then hike back the next morning. So it's um, it's become very popular recently because of Instagram and the for, when you go on Wikipedia and you read the numbers in the article as well they talk about uh, like in 2008 or 2009 they had numbers of about 500 people were going there and then at the start of the Instagram phenomena it like it was less than 800 in 2010 Instagram started and from then it just kind of got almost out of control they've actually had to build new roads and parking lots because the pre-Instagram numbers are less than 800, and now they're getting 80,000 people a year hiking this trail. They've created a new trailhead, a new trail to get there because of the numbers of people. And when you get out to the point, out, out to this rock outcrop, this troll tongue, you have to wait in line to get your picture taken. Wow. So, so you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's taken you like six or so hours or six or eight hours to hike out to the troll tongue. And then you stand there in a lineup waiting for your turn so you can do your Instagram or whatever shot, right? <laughs> it's it's like, uh, for me, yeah. it, would, it takes some of the, 
some of the oomph out of it for me, yeah. right? If if I've got to walk for eight hours to stand in a line, yeah, to take one picture, yeah, it's crazy. Not happening. It's crazy. So it's just one of those things that we talked about. And uh, do you want me to read the paragraphs that I read to you earlier? Or yeah, just... yeah. Just the yeah. Just read those out, out from the article. Yeah. So in the article, like I said, there, there's this one quote, and for all of social media's tendency to ruin places, it really is quite a sight. And he's talking about troll tongue. And here he talks about, at peak times, tourists wait up to an hour to have their photo taken on the troll's tongue. We have arrived late enough that the crowds have dissipated, leaving only a small gathering of those who are planning to stay the night. You get your smattering of characters on a hike like this. One man stripped naked for the photo on the edge. Another proposed to his girlfriend. One woman struck a series of poses with a beach ball for some reason. Never one for heights, I inched forward with the reluctance of a man on his way to the gallows. My girlfriend was already peering over the ledge. Ha! Photo captured. We spent that night shivering in our tents before making the long return trip to the parking lot and our waiting car the next day. The latest crowd of Troll troll Tunga's visitors had already gathered by the time we poked our heads into the chill of the morning. And then by 9 a.m., a line had formed, and I laughed at the predictability of it all. Tens of thousands of tourists, driven by the desire to see this place and be seen doing it, across Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and other social networks, all for a few likes. As I pondered the absurdity of our species, another thought came to me. Which Instagram filter should I use? So that lays it all right. Sums it up right there, doesn't it? And he's admitting to the fact of of what social media is doing to places like that. But then it's it's in tongue in cheek, and then it's so he's he's kind of skirting both sides of the line, right? Yeah, he can see he agrees with exactly what social media is doing, but he's sucked right into it as well. Exactly, because I mean, when you see the picture, oh, it's a fantastic place. I mean, who wouldn't want to go there? Yeah. And, and if you go on to, like, you just do Google images for Troll Tunga or Troll's Tongue, and there's some pretty fantastic pictures taken there. And yeah. it, it's just, it's quite the view. You've got a big, long fjord down, a valley down below with water at the base. And Mountains and that around, yeah. Troll's Tongue, and go on Wikipedia, and it describes the how this was created with the glaciers and the movement of the glaciers. and But anyways, yeah, it's it's... Again, back to the purpose of what I'm talking about it for is, is it's that social media phenomenon, the uh, the soul, the social networks that are bringing we're we're loving private places and backcountry places to death. Now, what he doesn't say at this particular spot, the lineup is is there like uh, park rangers or something there, like controlling people? No, it's uh, you pay for parking. You don't have to pay for the hike. Everything is free. Mm-hmm. You don't need permits. It's all first come, first serve. You just, people go. There's the one thing that they are planning on doing in the future is is not uh, rangers or whatever. What they're going to do is they're going to build a hut halfway along the trail because so many people find that they are not up to this giant hike. And so they are sending in helicopters and rescuing people for twisted ankles and broken bones just from the hike alone, right? Right. So they're going to put in a hut halfway just to, as a safety, as a resting area, as whatever, right? But they don't plan on, from what I've seen, doing... There is guided tours, so there's a lot of professionals that do end up out there. Yeah, but when you're saying, like, the people have, you know, had uh, injuries and stuff like that, it makes me wonder, how long till, like, how many helicopters do they need to send in before they finally say, you know what, this is enough, we're yeah. closing it down? Well, I don't know if they could close it down. Like, that's one of those things, like, I, I if it's anything like Canada... It's a, it's crown land. It's whatever. It's a natural space. How so, long till there's a death? There, there was a death in 2015. A 24 year old Australian woman fell off the lip of the or the edge of the tongue, fell really? to her death. Wow. She was the only one that fell off the actual or and only recorded one that fell off that tongue. Only recorded one. So yeah. if they went down there, they may find. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> They, Maybe they're just not telling people. You can find pictures of people doing handstands on the edge or hanging by one hand off the edge of the tongue, and and there's stuff like that, right? So there's a lot of stuff that people are doing crazy things. It's just natural, right? People do stupid things. That's what humans do. Yeah, like I say, it's just uh, makes you wonder. Like places like this, and there's so many people go. When you got eighty thousand people yes. here checking it out, and you might want to have some sort of yeah. You know. Well, and this is one thing that I found when I was looking, reading, and I did a little bit of research on it. The uh, the 
Park Service or whatever they have, whatever it's called in Norway, they've resisted up till now putting any fences or handrails in because it would ruin the natural view. Right. So I can see if there's any, uh, to, if there's too many incidents or too many deaths or too many rescues, they they might in the future put up a handrail right on the edge of the tongue or limit your access to the tongue itself. Yeah, and that right there is just going to stop people. Exactly. Which yeah. is sort yeah, of... You're, and you're going to see people jumping the fence and taking more chances, mm-hmm. or you're going to see people getting charged for accessing the tongue. And it's, it's just, like I said... Or the minute they say, hey, if you're thinking of going, you don't get to go right out there anymore. Mm-hmm. And people, well, I'm not going that distance just to be a sit at a fence. Yeah. So that may... Because you got to think, what's the leave no trace going on over there? Yeah, I can't imagine. All those people heading out. And it's, it's, in and it's, out, how much garbage is up and down yeah, those trails? You're not talking about experienced backcountry hikers. Like mm-hmm. when you talk about the social media crowd, from my experience, it's people that don't really follow the dictates of leaves don't need, leave no trace principles. Yeah. You've just got a bunch of uh, millennials, uh, you know, doing their Instagram accounts and they don't, they have no clue as to, you know, the consequences of their actions and they're just going, you know, and. Of course, I'm doing a broad paintbrush. I'm sure there's a lot of responsible people that go out there and clean up after themselves and try to clean up after others. But there's enough. When you talk about 80,000 people a year, you're talking a lot of potential damage and you're talking like deeply used, heavily used hiking trails. And, yeah. and they had to put in a second hiking trail and a second trailhead, second parking lot just because of the heavy traffic. And now they're talking cabins along the cabin along yeah, the way, you know, that way. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but they, they allow camping up there, overnight camping, they which do. is cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when we go to Algonquin Park and you do the, the trails that they've got there, think of how much garbage you see along the route. Yeah. Right? So you got to yeah. think. There's enough people, yeah. Even like Algonquin, even people in Canada, we still leave a lot of trash behind. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. So very interesting. But yeah, so as, as for social media, that's exactly what we've been talking about. Exactly, yes. Social media is a really cool thing because it lets you see what's out there, you know, beyond you see, your own you town. Share and yeah but, but it's also if you if you read some of the studies it's like there's a what is a there's a dopamine bump that you get from it right from from doing the shares just like alcohol or anything that you've got addicted to and unfortunately it uh people need that bump yeah so unless people are going to start saying here's a picture look at it but i'm not telling you where it is <laughs> yeah. right yeah. then that's a that's a different story. Well, you know, it, it could happen. It could it, some people are start to become protectionist and like you know nobody talks about their favorite fishing hole, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe nobody talks about their favorite Instagram spot. Yeah, that'd be nice. But then again, like I say, it's one of those things that you can flip flop on, right? Yeah. Because you know what I mean, something that you may find really cool, no one's going to tell you where it is. I may find well, that's fine. Yeah. But then somebody else may I may see something like oh man, I I'd love to go there. And then no, so and no one tells me where it is, and I'm just like, well, why wouldn't you tell me? Yeah, yeah, so, it's, yeah it's, it's public spaces. Let everybody know. Yeah. So it's it's a double-edged sword, technically. It really is. Um, on that, we've got one other announcement to make. This one came out on Tuesday. I don't know where you're going. I forget. So there's a fella named oh, Decky. Yes. Who has started Unlostify, his new maps. Yes. Right? And it's a fantastic map. And it is a really cool map. You can go online, uh, unlostify.com. U-N-L-O-S-T-I-F-Y, unlostify.com. He's on Facebook as well. Uh, Check out his maps. They're like phenomenal, really cool. Um, He got his start interested into maps and camping and all that sort of stuff. From Jeff McMurtry. Yeah, so he worked with Jeff's. Jeff? Yeah, of Je- X of Jeff's Maps. Yeah. He started Jeff's Maps. Um, so Jeff McMurtry and him became buddies and taught him some stuff and was going out canoe camping and all that sort of stuff. And that's where he says he, he got the interest and he got the bug from Jeff. Well, on Tuesday, they made an announcement. He says he had a very special announcement. And... He had the pleasure of announcing that Jeff McMurtry has joined Unlostify. Unlostify. And that's awesome. Which is cool. Jeffrey's a, a good friend of ours here. And uh, to find out that he was not making maps was was huge. It'd be like somebody taking away your canoe and you can't go canoeing anymore. Yeah. You know, and he, he really 
seemed a bit lost, I think. But, so it's uh, nice to see Jeff getting back into it, doing what he loves to do. He's, uh, you know, he uh, lost control of his Jeff's map, but now he's he's moving on to bigger and better things. And I, uh, I'm sure that Unlostify is going to do fantastic things in the future. Well, the Jeff, because of Jeff's big, I mean, his big main project to begin with was Algonquin Park. Yes. So that's going to be one of their big projects. Perfect. That's good. Jeff's, you know, he's lifelong history with Algonquin Park. Yeah. So he been ten years doing these maps. Exactly. That, so. He started out with uh, complaining about the canoe routes map and how inaccurate they were. So he decided, well, he's going to fix it, and he yep. created his own map. Yeah, I remember seeing the. Well, I've got one of his originals. Yeah. Right, and uh, I re- I remember the book. He's got me doing a little thingy on the back, a testimonial on the back of his book. Yes, which is yeah. pretty cool. My one claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> but he put thousands and thousands oh. of hours into the in development. It of was unbelievable. It's a map like that you've never seen before. But they're going to take this new one. So they say March first, two thousand and eighteen. They're going to be sharing some news about Killarney, French River. Kawartha Highlands and Massasauga maps that they're releasing. Beautiful. So there's a lot of maps that they're going to be releasing come just in time for paddling season. Yeah, perfect. That's going to be awesome. So really, really glad. I look forward to that. So go check out unlostify.com. Find them on on Facebook and you can even get to their website from there. Check out these maps. They're really cool. Very happy and uh, hope uh, Decky and Jeff... Hope you uh, guys really take this to to new heights. Really looking forward yes. to it. So let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, I want to talk about. I've got a theory. It's a conspiracy theory, <laughs> and it deals with surfboards, stand up paddle boards, and kayaks. It's my theory. It's all research related. It's true. <laughs> I tell you, it's true. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. Derek, I've made a discovery. Oh, did you? Hit a pre-brute again or something? What? Maybe. <laughs> In all my research that I've been doing, okay, like I'm researching stuff and checking stuff out, I've made a very, very important connection that proves there's collusion. <laughs> collusion. Collusion. I got to use the word collusion. Between the kayak companies... And the surfboard companies. Really? There is. Now, this may come as a shock. But once you hear what I have to say. Okay. And my explanation, you're going to agree. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I do like a good conspiracy, but I'm not a theorist. But I think I might be on to something here. And it may include scientific manipulation to create a brand new species. <laughs> and what that is we'll talk to him about next week <laughs> so join us next week join us next week the stand up paddle board is the love child of the surfboard and the kayak well I believe that so see told you I, I, I didn't even get my that's, that's my theory it's true there's been collusion <laughs> <laughs> I can prove it What's more, I can prove it. DNA testing, what? DNA testing. So technically, <laughs> the stand-up paddle board is just a surfboard with a long paddle. 
Well, yeah, there's it's pretty right. darn close. There's really it's uh It's just a surfboard with yeah. a long paddle. And yeah, there's it's, slight differences between the two. Slightly more volume, a bit more flotation because it's it's designed for uh for uh, static use in water, not so much uh, surfing. Mm-hmm. Hydraulic use. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, yep. They're the same, they're similar. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm I'm sure it started out some of course like think of it, this is a natural logical progression uh, somebody on a surfboard took a paddle out with him mm-hmm. and I've seen that guy I can't remember his name but I he's know a, that guy he's he's a he's a famous uh, he's a famous uh, surfer Johnny in Hawaii his name first name is John Johnny something mnemonic no let's <laughs> <laughs> try. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but yeah, so this guy, what he would, uh, so oftentimes to get out to the waves, the big waves, you'd either like uh, a, a jet ski would tow you out or you'd paddle out by hand and uh, people were just getting out there with a paddle and uh, they'd be using the paddle to steer or the surfboard on the way back in in the waves, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, it's a natural progression. You're just, well, I'm just going to paddle today instead of surf. Like if the water's calm and flat, you want to get out in the water anyways, I'm just going to paddle. Yeah. So it's, I think, and you know what, I'm sure if we did, and this is just an op- honestly off the top of my head, so I, I'm going to, before next week, I'm going to look into it and see how it actually started. Oh, you just wait, my friend. Do we have anybody we can interview? You just wait, my friend. Oh, you've got stuff? <laughs> I got pages of stuff. It's collusion. <laughs> collusion. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the word collusion. <laughs> and the number seven. And the number seven. <laughs> um, stand-up paddle boards used on flat water propelled by the rider using a paddle. Now, what if you were to introduce a current or a big wave and okay. it becomes even more like a surfboard Except with the paddle for steering. Okay. Right? So, yeah, I mean, you're cruising along. So nice right on, on your lake. You're on your lake, waves. and all of a sudden you hit some waves, some little yep. bit of a current. Yeah. Um, you got your paddle, and you're now yep. like a minor surfboard, right? So stay with me here. Okay. What else do you ride through waves and fast currents and rapids that you use a paddle to steer with? Kayak. A kayak! <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Do I get a gold star? Yes, you get one gold star. <laughs> now I could stop right here and just say stand-up paddle boards is just a stand-up kayak, but I won't. I got more. <laughs> Lots more. You're out of control. I'm out of control now. It's collusion. <laughs> Are you Star- using collusion the right way? I don't know. I just like saying collusion. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to Google collusion. Stay, now you're going to have to Google collusion. <laughs> collusion, isn't that not two people, entities, companies getting together secretly to hornswoggle people? <laughs> hornswoggle? Hornswoggle. Keep coming up with these hornswoggle words. Hornswoggle and collusion. I'm going to write that down. Hornswoggle. hornswoggle. That Start writing down the words I use, right, that you don't know. So stand-up paddle boards are usually tapered at the front and back ends. Okay. Right? So you see it's a nice taper, nice design. What else is tapered at the front and the back? A kayak. A kayak! (laughs) All right, there's another gold star for you. Stand-up paddle boards have fins. Kayaks. Have fins? Skags. Fins. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you're catching on now. How many gold stars am I at now? I have tons. Oodles. (laughs) Oodles. <laughs> Write that one down. Oodles. <laughs> Oodles. Stand-up paddle boards come in various models and colors, and so do kayaks. <laughs> <laughs> Stand-up paddle boards are not as colorful as kayaks. Oh, you would be surprised. I've seen the whole slew of them. A lot of them slew. tend to base colors like blues, blues and, and browns and greens, beiges and yellows, beiges. reds, kayaks oranges, are such bright colors. Wood. Yes, there's a and there's actual wood stand paddle boards. Mm-hmm. I, I saw one the other day. I go, I was googling images. A and, plethora. Yes. Of color. You want to write that one down too? Plethora. Oodle. Plethora. Slew. Hornswoggle. Collusion. 
Okay, so when you think ice and snow, you think kayaks, right? Yes. All right. How about kayaking in the Antarctica? The Antar- in Antarctica. What? You could kayak there. Be damn cold, wouldn't it? It's the difference between that and the Arctic. I wouldn't do it's in just the Arctic either. Side. Well, that's where kayaks come from, right? Okay, yes. Oh, did I lose you on that I one? It, did I just lose you? You did. I okay. Was, I was thinking modern. Well, you can take stand-up paddleboard tours in, El- in in Antarctica now. Really? You really see icebergs, whales, penguins? That's their big thing. And get eaten by polar bears? No, because polar bears north. There's none in Antarctica. No. Oh. No, two different areas. Hmm. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Look that one up, dude. Where are penguins that penguins south. are south? South, not north. Polar bears are north. And never the twain shall meet, apparently, unless you're at the zoo. <laughs> kayak fishing. We've seen a whole bunch yes. of stuff on kayak fishing Huge. And, and all that sort of stuff, right? It's popular. Well, people are fishing from stand-up paddle boards now. They stand really? there. Yeah. Fly fishing. Seen somebody fly fishing off of okay, one I in the mountains. Okay, Right? Neat. And they got their, people got their little bucket set up on the front mm-hmm. of their paddle board. Yeah. Like a milk crate. Okay. So they're fishing. They reel in their fish. They have all their gear and everything in that little milk crate yeah. on the front of their paddleboard. Huh. Mm-hmm. You're committing to standing up a long time. Yeah. That's, what it, that's why it's standing up I stand, up, I stand up all the time anyways when I'm fishing. I never sit down when I'm fishing. Unless well, I'm unless in you're in a canoe, canoe. Yeah. which is a total different thing. We're yes. not even there yet. I'm <laughs> 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 talking about canoeing. So, so, so far I'm pretty much showing that... All a stand-up paddleboard is, is a stand-up kayak. I really should read ahead your notes before I do these shows. I have no idea where you're going. <laughs> Neither do I. In a, in a kayak, you go down rapids using a paddle to steer you around obstacles and follow your route through the water, right? Okay, yep, yep, fair enough. Well, now... You do it with stand-up paddleboards? Stand-up paddleboarders are doing the same okay, so, thing. And we've talked about stand-up paddleboarding doing white water. Mm-hmm. Which I don't get. But they're doing it. Yeah. And like the whitewater stand-up paddleboarding is a thing. I could see doing like like a class two or class We figured just little bits, right? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, no. No. These guys are going full on, full tilt down these rapids. You're standing. Standing. Hmm. And it is, it is really something to watch. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, so here's where it gets tricky. Okay. Sort of. One model or design of a kayak is called the playboat. Yes. Which we've talked the about. shorter and... Right. So playboating is a type of whitewater kayaking where the paddler performs all these different types of tricks and maneuvers yes. in one spot at a standing wave. Yeah, the, yeah. Right? Standing wave or, or on a running wave or... Yeah, the, there's, there's lots of different... Well, guess who's horning in on the action? Those damn stand-up Those stand-up paddleboarders. Paddle <laughs> they're right there. They, yeah, there's a thing. Now, the stand-up paddleboarders, they get there. Now, they're not doing the big flips and all that sort of stuff, right? Okay. Because once your feet leave that board, you know, unless you're gripping the board like, a, like you'd be doing a skateboard trick or something, okay. right? But they're doing spins and weaves and all this other sort of stuff on the standing waves, just like a playboat. And you can Google this, my friend, because I've been there. I done did Google. <laughs> so, this is just like making my theory more more strong. Okay. My... <laughs> now, as more adrenaline junkies take up kayaking, they push the limits of any sport, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's always got to push those limits, right? So, you get the kayakers out there, and one dude says... Oh, I'm taking my kayak and I'm going over that waterfall. Meet me at the bottom, boys. <laughs> but you're attached to a kayak. Yeah. Well, you're actually sitting right in it. Yeah. So yeah, you're you are one with the kayak. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're not one with a stand-up paddleboard. Well, the stand-up paddleboards are just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Cause guess what I found? So, they are going over waterfalls on their paddleboard. So this brings up the uh, the what is it the bowling ball and the feather thing falling from a height, and like uh, they both <laughs> fall the same speed. <laughs> but you're 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 not going to land with your standard paddleboard. Well, you will separate. Yeah, you're I, not attached. 
Do they, how, yeah. Now, now, be now. A leash. There's well, they got the leash on, yeah. so that they don't, you know, so they don't lose it. So but basically, they they paddle on... across, they find their line, and they zip over the lip, and down they go. If it's not a tall one, chance that they can ride it and stick with the board. Okay. But nine times out of ten, it looks like yeah, they don't stay connected. <laughs> the board goes one way, but they keep coming back. So I wonder how many people land on top of their stand-up paddleboard. And so that would be my thing. Would be if you stand on the board and you go over. Yeah. And you're coming down. And if you if you get enough speed and you shoot straight out and drop straight down on that paddleboard. Yeah. What's the chance of it breaking? Right oh, in half. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Because realistically, when you do that in a kayak. You're you're going you're not going straight out and straight down. You're going over the edge, nose first sort of thing, right? Yeah. So there is no hard or there shouldn't be a big hard thump right in the middle. And if there is, you're spread out. Your legs are straight yeah. out, your butt's in the middle, that sort of stuff. You're leaning back yeah. or frontward so you don't get the paddle in the face, that sort of thing. But these paddleboards now most of them are smaller waterfalls that they're going over, mm-hmm. so it's you know, like ten feet or something like that. So it's not a massive drop that you can stick with your board yeah but there's videos i've been watching these guys are doing them off of 40 foot waterfalls anything basically all that to me is just diving with a paddle board <laughs> <laughs> but there's a buoyancy difference a huge buoyancy difference mm-hmm. you're gonna when when well i've jumped into water you just shoop, you're under way yeah. over your head you're in stand paddle board is very very buoyant it's not going to pierce it's just going to hit the water and stay on top so if you land on your board, you're going to go through your board. Well, that's my big thing, yeah. But if you're going, if your paddle board is going straight up, remember the little paddle boards you used to, those blue paddle boards you used to get in swim class? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could go under, but you let it go and it, it shoots, shoots right to the surface. Yeah, exactly. To me, that's what's going to happen with a paddle board. <laughs> so this one, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why they're doing it, except they're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, and there's some of the, well, I watched one because they have the fins on the bottom. Which most kayaks, I guess, that you're doing the rivers aren't going to have a have a skeg on mm-hmm. the bottom, right? Well, the one guy's going over a small waterfall, and the fin catches the rocks inside the falls, and all of a sudden his board stops, and he just zoom, keeps on going. <laughs> so now he's stuck with his board halfway up the waterfall, and he's trying to figure out how he's going to get it out. So it's jammed there in the, in the it's, waterfall. It's held by the fin. Huh. So he ends up climbing up the rocks along the side of the waterfall, jumps onto his board and hammers it, and boom, it flops. Oh, yeah. I think it I think it destroyed the fin. It, it ripped the fin out. But Surfboards tend to have like three fins. How many? Well, these ones only had the one. Just one, one eh? yeah. Oh, you can get them with three, but yeah. the ones they were using that I've all seen, yeah. they've only had one. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so. This is very interesting. Now. It gets better. <laughs> We're going to put another spin on this. Okay. I'm going to read ahead here. Punt boarding. That's with a P. Punt <laughs> boarding. <laughs> Careful how you say that. Exchange <laughs> your paddle for a pole or okay. a stick. Canoe pulling. Canoe pulling. Exchange your paddleboard for a styrofoam floating door <laughs> you can buy those <laughs> apparently punt boarding it's a stand-up paddleboard that's rectangle Squ- you come up flat with on the front flat on the back now we've talked about creaking right yes. in the kayaks uh, that's what punt boarding is you're going down these little creeks and there's okay. all the overhangs and rocks and you're going through these little yep. crevices. It's all wrapped. Shallow it's water. all the way. All yeah. just drop, 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 okay. right? Yeah. That's yeah. punt boarding. Stand-up paddle boards version is huh. punt boarding. So it sounds like shallow water. Very shallow water. Huh. On a floating door. On a floating door. <laughs> With a stick. <laughs> stick! Door and a stick! <laughs> Punt boarding. <laughs> wow. It is a thing. Don't know how it's a thing. Now, I've watched these guys doing this, and I mean, it's like, it's dumb. Yeah. 
Even I got to do that. It's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, gi- I'll give them the stand-up po- paddle boarding down the rapids, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I'll give it to them trying to go over the waterfalls. But there's a line where you guys, you, that, I might as well flip over a picnic table and ride it down the rapids, you know? You're give on a, a dick door. And, yeah. And that's, exa- it's a styrofoam door. But they it, it, do it out in BC and Whistler. If you Google punt boarding, you you'll, see, you'll see it. But Whistler, what do the snowboarders do in the spring? <laughs> I guess they They go board. punt boarding. <laughs> with a P. <laughs> with a P. So, when we talk creaking with a kayak, that's punt boarding with a paddleboard. Now, just to go back to my original theory, there's been no collusion. There's been no horn swoggling. In fact, they say a form of paddleboarding was started in Peru 3,000 years ago. What? That's what I said? 3,000 years ago. Where? Peru. 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 The Peruvian not, fishermen. Not like Aunt Beru? Not Aunt Beru from Star Wars, no. <laughs> the fishermen would raft these, their their logs together. Okay. A little stand-up paddleboard sized raft. Like in and Japan. They, yeah, and go out into the ocean, okay. do their fishing for the day. Okay. And they'd have a paddle with them. And on the way back, they would catch the waves. And for fun, and using their, their, they'd their, their paddle... The they would surf back in. Huh. Free propulsion. Free propulsion to go huh. back in. So it's the Peruvians with the collusion and the horn swoggling. 3,000 years ago. So, so was, collusion. I'm pretty sure you're using collusion wrong. It's a secret or legal cooperation or conspiracy, especially in order to cheat or deceive others. Collusion between the kayak com- companies and the surfboard companies to deceive us <laughs> into thinking that paddleboarding is something brand new. Oh, so no, I, I was not using it incorrectly. So we might have been hornswoggle <laughs> <laughs> to get the better of someone by cheating or deception. Mm-hmm. Hmm. See, see. I know these words. I play Scrabble. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So all this does is show that, you know, I I mean, when you talk stand-up paddle boarding, you're thinking, okay, yeah, just get out, go to the cottage or the resort or something like that. Nice day out. We'll just jump on nice flat water and Mm -hmm. paddle, 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 paddle. Oh, look at that over there. Look at that over there. The stand-up paddleboard is actually very versatile. And very old. And very old. And something just occurred to me. Think of it this way. You've got a, uh, a pike pole or what are the, those log hooks, and you're mm-hmm. in the northern acres of Algonquin Park. You're floating down on a log doing the, uh, the, the, the lumberjack waltz or whatever they call it. It's basically stand-up paddleboarding. It's the round one. You're on one. a giant log, and you've got a pole. It's a round you're punting. Yeah, because it's flat-ended. <laughs> yeah. The log drivers were punters. The log drivers waltz, that's what I was trying That's to right. The log drivers waltz, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, the whole purpose of this was just to show you how versatile yeah. the stand-up paddleboard has become. Like I say, I think at the beginning there, it was just, you know, get yeah. out there and let's paddle around sort of stuff. But the things that... Now, if you start Googling things like... Um, stand-up paddleboard or just SUP waterfall and stand-up paddleboard uh, rapids stuff like that yeah. stand-up paddleboard whitewater you'll start seeing what these guys are doing hmm. and some of it's pretty wild so it's, it's interesting though like uh, it's I guess it's been modernized so I in all various forms like a lot of these sports have been around a long time kayaking and canoeing and Apparently, stand-up paddleboarding too. It's just it's become more modernized. I wonder where the resurgence and where this movement came from with stand-up paddleboard because I don't think I ever heard of it before two years ago. I think ago. I remember seeing something about the '90s. People started getting well. This is what you were talking about, dude, with the, uh, uh, the Johnny the Johnny name there yeah. uh, with the surf going out with a paddle and just yeah. starting to try new things, right? Mm-hmm. New moves and just added a big paddle to it. Yeah, and then from there it just sort of evolved into what we have today is a stand-up paddleboard, yeah. right? Um, yeah. 
I know I've heard a, a Johnny name before, but I think it, and it has to do with Hawaii and it has to do with surfing, but I think I heard it in a TV show or something, so I can't remember right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really come a long way in the last, you know, 3000 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, except for the boards being changed from logs stuck together <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and different materials yeah. and colors and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's become a very versatile, uh, form of recreation. That's for sure. Uh-huh. And keeping up with the kayakers. Like I said, there is some of them you're seeing that you got a guy down there and he's going down the waterfalls and the people around, there's a couple of guys on stand up paddle boards. There's a couple of guys on kayak in kayaks. Or there's an obvious advantage to using kayaks though is because you are physically attached to your, well, you know, not attached, but, no, you know but you're mean. in it. You're, you're, you know, in this little cup inside your kayak. And yeah. so it, it, you're more secure and you can have a little bit more control. So I'm thinking that there wouldn't be as much control with a, with a stand up paddle board. There's the control because you can, I mean, it's just like leaning. Yeah. When you're in a canoe or a kayak, you're leaning, right? I, I do and remember how much control I had with pulling in the canoe, standing up. And well, I they, never, yeah, there was, yeah, there I was never a lot would have of... considered standing up in a canoe, except for like, you know, sighting rapids ahead if it's a mild rapid and stuff like that. But and once we did canoe pulling, it, it's like, wow, there's actually a surprising amount of control, mm-hmm. right? You have more leverage and stuff like that for turning and for yeah. movement. So I, I guess it's the same for uh, for a stand-up paddleboard. It's like worth punting or or for a stand-up paddleboard and doing white water. Well, the punting is for shallow water. So the punting to me would be the equivalent of the canoe, canoe pulling. The canoe pulling. Yeah. For shallow water, fast yeah. water, stuff like that. Now, there are all the, all the um, examples of punting that I've seen have all been very narrow, you know, like lots of overhangs, lots of rocks, logs, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, right? Like creeks. Yes. So yeah. I would never do that sort of thing in a canoe. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, when you're when you're looking at that, it's it's almost like canoe pulling is exactly what it is. Yeah. And there is yeah a lot of control standing up in a canoe with the pole. Mm-hmm. So you, I can see exactly how you would have it in. Um, on a floating door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but you know what? Like, I'd, I'd like to see the the um, stand-up, like the, the playboating version of stand-up paddleboard. How many tricks can they actually do? Huh. Because they're, and like I say, if they're, because I can't see them crouching down and gripping the edge of their, their paddleboard like to do surfer. a flip like a yeah. like a like a like a skateboarder. Yeah, I can't see them doing something like that. Yeah, and I mean you got the the playboaters doing all the flips and rolls and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, you're not going to do a roll on a stand up paddleboard. No, I think you're kind of limited on that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, but you never know, right? Maybe they start putting foot grips in like uh, on a snowboard, mm-hmm. so that you can start doing stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean, they're they're. They're, when you see some of these guys doing it, they're standing at the back. They're they're moving to the front. Yeah. Like they're walking along their yeah. board, right, back and forth. So yeah. there's there's yeah. they got to be taking it to new levels at some point. Mm-hmm. At some point, they're going to start going. You know, like maybe flipping it on its side, or you know, like doing some sort of kick flip where the it goes up, <laughs> it spins, and then you land back on it. That sort of thing. Yeah. So then it becomes a cross yeah. with skateboarding sort of exactly. sort of thing, right? But Oh, the possibilities are endless, my friend. Especially on stand-up paddle boards now. <laughs> but I still wouldn't go over a waterfall in one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, and it'd be a long time before. But there's some kayakers. There was, if you're watching the videos, one kayaker was saying he, his buddy tried to get him to get one. And he's no, 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 no. And then he finally went out in one. And he says, it was a month before I finally decided, yeah, this is for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh. And he ended up on a stand-up paddle board. He still kayaks. Yeah. But he, stand up, he ended up on a stand-up paddleboard. Interesting. Isn't it? Collusion. <laughs> Collusion doesn't work in this case. Collusion. <laughs> anyway, so if you're thinking stand-up paddle boards just for flat water paddling, think again, my friends. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. Well, Derek, that's it for this week. Uh, Stand-up paddle boarding. It's not just your regular flat water stuff anymore. And actually, we know a guy who teaches. Yes. And I think we uh, get him on the show. We need to contact that dude. And the dude that you were talking about. Laird Hamilton. So this was early 2000s. So Dave Kalama and Laird Hamilton, they famously used paddles to propel their longboards during the Oxbow photo shoot on Maui. And that's what they consider the birth of modern day stand-up paddleboarding. Awesome. Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.